0: Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff, and today I want to look at some BJJ hot takes. We're going to get controversial today. We're going to talk about some, some pretty crazy opinions. I've been having a blast looking at this Reddit thread titled, What's Your BJJ Hot Take? A Reddit user wants people to tell him their most controversial jujitsu opinion. What is it? What's yours? This thread has been really popular over the past couple of days. It's garnered more than two thousand comments, and we're going to start right off the bat with a really controversial opinion. So I'm going to read some of these, and I'm going to let you guys know my opinions and thoughts on some of these redditors' opinions on jujitsu. So we're going to start with No Underscore Difficulty Underscore Four Seven One Eight. One of their opinions. Big people, if you're over 250 pounds, should not be allowed to learn jiu-jitsu. They have no reason to. They are a liability to everyone in terms of injury. They can't even learn the moves right. Even advanced belts can't play most guards and just resort to bull passing. They are already at an advantage. I feel like only special circumstances warrant teaching big guys, and that's if they plan on competing or being an MMA fighter. But as a hobbyist, go find another sport. Sorry. Whoa, that's a that's a that's a controversial opinion right there. And as a guy that has had opinions about bigger guy jujitsu, you guys have heard me talk about how I think, for the most part, you should try and stay around your weight class when you train, and you should only venture outside of your weight class, especially when we're talking about forty fifty pound uh, differences. You know, once every couple of weeks, once a month, maybe even once every other month if it's a huge weight difference, and I think that's um that's not too crazy right i've also been a little harsh to bigger guys like when i've talked about their belt rankings that i want to see them have a varied game and that seeing guard work from bigger guys is really important to me when judging their skill based on their next promotion but what no difficulty 4718 is saying is i mean they should just not be allowed to learn unless they're trying to become an MMA fighter or they really want to try and compete. And it's almost like No Difficulty4718 is telling us, without telling us, right, that he has just been getting absolutely murdered by big guys. They're frustrated. And I get it. I mean, when you're getting, I'm going to imagine that this is a smaller person and they've just been getting crushed by one or maybe even a couple people at their gym for the past year or so. And instead of finding a solution to that problem with technique and with, like, learning how to train with bigger guys, it's just a little bit easier. I'm sure so this is coming from a moment of frustration. Probably just got home from an open mat where it was just him and, you know, three guys over 200 pounds. And he just, he got murdered. But what this tells me, though, besides that, is that maybe he's not at the best school. Because in my opinion, one of the ways you can tell a school is very good and that they have really technical practitioners is that the skilled big guys, the colored belts, the blue, the purple, the brown, the black belts that are over 225 pounds, they can train with anybody. That's one of the things I'm most proud about 10th Planet Decatur is that our big guys can smash, but they also learn to flow something that is required. You're not going to get your blue belt if you cannot roll with a female. If you cannot roll with a 170-pound 17-year-old that's been here for a couple of weeks. I want to see that you can play the bottom position. That you can take away your advantages and you can rely on technique. Because... Look, I get it, you know, for the most part, for, I mean, the most part jujitsu practitioners are white and blue belts. And so, yes, if you are over 250 pounds, most of the time you can just have a couple of techniques and you're going to find a lot of success, but that doesn't and isn't going to work on really skilled practitioners that you outweigh. So if we're talking about really skilled purple, brown, and black belts, then, you know, your bullfighter pass, it's not going to work. It's just not. If you only have one pass, it's not going to work. If all you're doing is, you know, oh, I'm going to pass to site control in Americana, that's not going to work on skilled guys, but it's going to work on the majority of people. To me, I'm looking at when I go to a school, again, how do big people train? I'm always super impressed when I see big guys that can train with everybody. And, I'm also super impressed when I can see skilled smaller guys, like guys that you just wouldn't expect to be very good. No offense, but you're five six, you're 135 pounds and you're just jacking dudes up or very talented females. So those are kind of the two uh, two of the areas I should say that I kind of judge a school by and how the leadership and how um, you know technical, how how school like how much is this school, Focused on becoming technical assassins. Now, moving on, we got a, a take that no-gi sucks and is not nearly as fun as training in the gi. So, there's a bunch of takes like that. Like, no-gi sucks. It's not nearly as fun training in the gi or that the gi is more technical and I prefer gi training. I know no-gi is the thing right now, but no-gi sucks. But there's just as many comments going... Um, I know there's one that's in 2025, the gi will be dead or the gi sucks. The only people that do gi are older people that can't hang with young athletic guys. They have to slow them down in the gi. So there's a bunch of those comments. And now this is my opinion. I, I've been thinking about this a lot because I, I've had on a couple of podcasts about this topic. But what I think we're really starting to see is that we got to think about it like this. For a long time, the gi dominated it was 99 percent of the sport when eddie bravo started 10th planet he was deemed a traitor the brazilians and the jiu-jitsu community as a whole hated him hated him i mean everybody talked crap about eddie bravo and now we're starting to see that nogi is becoming a lot more popular and it's becoming the preferred jiu-jitsu to watch How do I know that? Because all of the professional shows are turning to no-gi events. There's very few-gi events. But hold on a second. We can't make some of these outrageous claims like in 2025, the gi is going to be obsolete. It's going to be dead because the gi still dominates probably, I'd guess it's probably more like 70% of the community. It's not even at 50-50 yet the majority of jiu-jitsu practitioners still train in the gi. And as long as that's the case, it's going to be hard for that for, for the sport of gi jiu-jitsu to, to die. I mean, I know Gi Worlds was still very successful. A lot of people tuned in, and there was a ton of participation from the best practitioners in the world. I mean, we saw probably the two best up-and-coming guys in the world They faced off in the Gi Finals. We saw Ty Rutolo versus Mika Galvao, which was a very important match for jiu-jitsu history, in my opinion. It was Mika's first world title. It was both their first times at Black Belt, making it to the Black Belt world title. And um, I still think Gi Jiu-Jitsu is going pretty strong, but it has lost a lot of real estate to no Gi. And If this trend continues, I... Let's say it just continues, right, where no-gi, like most of the events are no-gi, and we're starting to see more schools go to no-gi. Like I said, when Eddie Bravo started, he was the first only no-gi school that was doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. There were guys that were doing catch wrestling, but they weren't claiming it was jiu-jitsu. Eddie was the first. Then we saw a couple of others, more one-off schools, but they weren't franchises. But we're seeing more and more people. I was just watching, um, I think was it Polaris or it was one of the UK-based shows, and they had a black belt competing on there who just opened up a school a year ago, and it's only no-gi. Zero affiliation with 10th planet, but he focuses on no-gi. He competes in no-gi and he's trying to master the art of no-gi jujitsu. So we're seeing more and more of that. But by 2025, that's way too soon. I could see maybe like 2050 that the gi it becomes really abandoned and that it's really more seen as like an old traditional way of doing jiu-jitsu. But we're still a long, 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 long way from that. Now, this is one that um, I really want to talk about because we have a black belt. At least they have a black belt um Moniker next to or underneath their name, Leve Lours Rouge. So L E V E L O U R S Rouge, Black Belt, claims this that the overwhelming majority of jiu jitsu competitors, unless they train in another, are, are worthless in a real world altercation. And there's a bunch of people making those claims that. People don't realize how useless jujitsu is in the streets or people have way too much confidence in what they'd be able to do in the streets if they had to use their jujitsu. jitsu But this is one that's near the top and one that always makes me cringe. First, it makes me think about th- this this Redditor that's a black belt. Like, man, where, where are you training at? Who did you get your black belt from? I cannot imagine getting my black belt in jiu-jitsu or even another martial art and not feeling like other people, like people that uh, train the same art that I do, that they couldn't handle themselves in a real-world altercation. That if it came to hand-to-hand combat, that people that train the art that I just spent years trying to attain a black belt from, that ah, they'd be worthless. That's just insane to me. It also makes me question how much live training is done at this person's gym. What is the level like? Because I know so many people, and I've seen so many people, and I've heard so many stories of white and blue belts being able to handle themselves in real-world altercations. People that are not just jujitsu competitors. They're just average Joes that had to use their jiu-jitsu in real-world altercations, and they have zero issue. They always talk about how their training just kicks in. How they hit that takedown that they learned a few months ago in class and how they control the person and then they're able to get the choke, or they're just they're able to handle the situation. And it's just shocking to me how many people in jiu-jitsu have this, this, this theory or this, uh, this opinion, I should say, that, oh man, in a street fight, like most jujitsu people would get jacked up, especially the competitors. I'm like, no, the competitors are the ones that are going to have the easiest time the guys that are training every single day and doing live training and then going out there and putting it on the line uh, and going against other people that are trying to not let them win those are the people that are going to have the easiest time in a real world altercation Now i'm not saying that if you train jujitsu you're going to be able to stop a terrorist attack like yeah if the person has a machine gun like that's a whole other argument but just man, I don't know if you showed up to a gas station and there was a 200 pound guy that was, um, you know, bothering a girl and assaulting a girl, like, dude, you would not want to step in because you wouldn't be able to handle what was about to happen. Like, no, dude, I'd put all of our blue belts in that situation. And I'm confident that all of them would easily be able to handle that situation. There's just way too much evidence out there. I'm not just saying like there's too much evidence out there. You can go read stories. I just read a story the other day about a blue belt that stopped a robbery. He used jujitsu. There was that story about the black belt that was, um, I think he was just like an average Joe black belt. Trains a couple times a week. He used the gift wrap position. My mom sent me the article and she was like, what's the gift wrap? And I was trying to explain to her that's a control position. Jujitsu is the best one-on-one self-defense system there is. It has been and always will be. If you're training at a worthwhile score, if you're training at a legit school, you are going to be able to handle a one-on-one altercation. I get it. People all the time be like, well, what if there are five buddies come?" I'm not saying, look, how many martial arts out there can people fight six dudes? This isn't, this isn't make-believe time. I'm not talking about Rush Hour. We got Jackie Chan and... And Chris Tucker fighting back-to-back against like 50 dudes. That's a movie. I'm talking about actual combat. Real world 1v1 jujitsu is king. I don't know how many more times and what else jujitsu has to do to prove that it's king. If you need more evidence, like, I don't know what to tell you. Because there's way more evidence of jujitsu working in the streets than any other martial art in my opinion especially being able to handle a situation without leading to major injury for the other person and from what we're seeing I mean just talk to your cop or your bouncer or any of these guys that do jujitsu; they'll talk about how many times their jujitsu training came into play and how many times that you know without jiu jitsu they're not sure what would have happened alright here's another one All right. Spazes should be kicked out if they don't chill after a certain amount of time. Seen way too many people get injured because a coach saw potential in a strong person just because they panic and they started thrashing around and barely managed to escape a sub. Or they saw an opening and got uh, excited and they ripped a sub of their own and put the other guy out of training. Drilled hill hooks one day. We're supposed to just catch and release, but no, 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 no. Mr. Spaz just completely destroyed the knee of an extremely well-liked guy at our gym. Dude worked a physical demanding job. And um, yeah, that's their take. So this is from Dudu Fart720, and they are a white belt. Spazzes. There's a bunch of people talking about spazzes on here, and that's just one take. And the biggest thing about guys that that are spazzes, what I've realized the longer I've been in this art and the more that I've grown as a leader i used to be a very poor leader i I led by example but i couldn't communicate and if i had to communicate it would usually come off as like anger you know it's like if i did had to go have a conversation with somebody it would be because like okay fine somebody's gonna go talk to this person i'll go do it and i'd be a little bit harsher than i needed to but what i've realized is like man all you got to do is have a conversation most people 99.9% of people if you have a couple of conversations with them they will change the way they train if somebody is freaking out on submissions and your coach isn't going over there and having a conversation with them it's not the spaz's part it's that's your coach's fault you should be pissed at your coach if things are going unchecked at your gym whether it's somebody hurting people all the time with submissions or you got a dude like oh man there's this new guy and he's 200 pounds and he's just picking people up and slamming or he's slamming out of submissions like that's that's your coach's fault that's not their fault they don't know they've only been training a couple of months maybe maybe they don't understand like most people don't understand how hard they're actually going or how much they're spazzing and how dangerous some of their erratic movements can be they just don't know But your coach does. The senior leadership of your gym does. They've been around long enough to see what happens when somebody acts and trains like a crazy person. They should be having that conversation with them. They should be having conversations with them. And look, I agree. One of the big things is if you can't trust to train with somebody, if someone is consistently hurting somebody, everybody, in my opinion, like... (laughs) You're going to hurt somebody. You've been training for a year. You're probably going to hurt one person. Now, I'm not saying you blow their leg out like, like uh, you know, doo Fart's saying. I'm not saying that you just drill heel hooks and you just freak out and you blow a dude's knee up. But you're going to hurt somebody. You're going to go too aggressive on an armbar and pop somebody's arm. Or you're going to get tangled up. Or you're going to be aggressively going for a lockdown sweep. And maybe you do tear somebody's ACL. Or maybe you're going too hard and you end up hurting yourself. We just had uh, one of our guys. He was um, doing the ham sandwich. If you've been following Brandon's content, you've been seeing a lot of ham sandwich stuff. And Brandon, he always teaches I've heard Brandon say this for years. You have to reinforce the ham sandwich. You can't have that leg free. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just check out. Brandon's got a bunch of stuff on his YouTube and his paid website. So check that out. But anyways, one of our guys, training at another gym. He was having success with the ham sandwich. He said he had hit like five or six of them and he was rolling with somebody and he tried to force it. And he ended up tearing his own ACL because he didn't reinforce that knee. And he knew he made the mistake. So there's times like you're, maybe you're going too hard and you hurt yourself, but that's a coach thing. Coaches need to go up. And and if somebody's not, then after you've talked to him a couple of times, maybe then you try the, Hey, I'm going to smash you into oblivion. And, you know, maybe you'll calm down then. And if they don't, that's the time you got to kick somebody out. But don't be mad at spazzes. Too many people get mad at spazzes. If you're a colored belt, be a leader. Have a conversation with them. If you don't feel comfortable, talk to who are the leaders at your school. Talk to them. And if they don't think it's a problem, maybe it's just you. Maybe they're not being a spaz. Maybe, maybe your technique's just not good enough to, to stop them from you being athletic or being explosive, because I do see that sometimes, you know, there was times, um, if I'm being honest, when I was a per- blue and purple belt, especially, I mean, I just wasn't good enough to handle really athletic people all the time. Like, yeah, I would tap them out, but I couldn't stop them from exploding out. I remember I was, um, I used to be, scared to death to go to mount because i always felt so stupid because i'd mount like a really explosive guy and they would just bridge me over and i'd feel so dumb like oh my gosh i can't believe i just got bridge and rolled by a six-month white belt and i'd be like in my mind i would blame like oh well they're just spazzing out they're freaking out because i mounted them it's like no dude my technique wasn't good enough to stop their explosive movement that's on me and people sometimes use that word spaz because they're like oh so-and-so just spazzed out of my armbar. I didn't want to break their arm. Like, no, dude, like they just rather explosively, they escaped your arm bar. Or, yeah, the posture that they did, you tried to triangle them, and the posture that they provided was it was just strong. It was explosive. Doesn't mean it was spazzy. Spazziness to me is really defined by errant knees and elbows. If somebody's like consistently kneeing and elbowing me to the body to the head like that's when i'm like dude you gotta chill out but just because you're you know trying to bench press me off of you and you're trying to do aggressive and and explosive um you know hip movements like you're trying to bridge and roll or you're just trying to bridge aggressively and get to your knees or get back to your feet like i I mean that's that's just being explosive and trying to be an athlete not necessarily spazzy what else do we got we've got no music during training and a lot of people agree they're like no i strongly agree with you no music during training a lot of people agree this is a tricky one at our gym typically the senior belts basically me brandon we have control of the radio And I know there's times people hate the music I put on. Tough. This is one of those where it just sucks to be in the passenger seat, right? Whoever's driving the car, they get to put the music on. They get to put that book that you don't want to listen to. They get to put on the Celine Dion CD or the Backstreet Boys or the 50 Cent or whatever they want to. And the same thing goes for the Jiu-Jitsu gym. Some people like Hawaiian reggae or they like jazz or whatever. There's been so many times that Brandon's played music that I hate it, but tough luck. Tough luck. There's been tons of times, like I said, I've played music. I mean, there was times I was playing like classical music to train to. And I know dudes just hated it. They probably thought it was the cringiest thing in the world. But I don't know. There was a period of time I thought it was cool to train to classical music. I thought it like really helped me get my flow and it helped me to remain calm and to really um, try and rely more on technique rather than my, my young physical attributes to try and win. And so I'd make guys listen to classical music. I do think you should experiment with a a bit of everything. And I'll kind of joke with guys. I'm like, you should be able to train to anything no music, rap music, Taylor Swift, the Backstreet Boys, Pearl Jam, the Rolling Stones, ACDC. You should be able to train to everything. You should be able to get out in front and do, you know, hey, the whole gym's watching you, you got to roll. We're going to do mock tournament. I think you should be able to train in a bunch of different scenarios. And, yeah, I do something sometimes like, yeah, the music needs to be turned off. In extreme cases, I think if you're dealing with high-level athletes, there's times that, you know, they need to get used to not training and and, uh, especially like doing some harder rounds without music because they're going to be competing without music. And I don't know how much that helps, right? But you'll listen to people talking sports science. They're like, you need to emulate game day. And if game day there's no music, then you need to train with no music. So I don't know. I get it. Another one. Playboy Kappa says, if you don't train MMA or kickboxing, stop calling it sparring. If you have a BJJ match, do not say you have a fight. This is one of the most... Uh, one of the most talked about annoyances, um, you know, some people are really annoyed by jujitsu people calling jujitsu a fight. And here's what I've got to say if boxing's a fight, then jujitsu's a fight. You can get seriously injured doing jujitsu. I've heard a lot of MMA guys talk about how jujitsu and wrestling is the most dangerous thing that they do. That's like where all their injuries happen whether it's somebody going aggressively on a submission or during some type of crazy scramble, their legs get caught up or they fall funny on their shoulder. But that's where the majority of the injuries happen during camp. If you've ever been to a jiu-jitsu tournament, you've seen somebody get blown up. Somebody get just absolutely blown up and injured severely. So I don't get it. I don't understand why you can't call it a fight. Because there are extreme consequences. If you do not tap to a choke, you are getting put to sleep. That is as close to simulating de- death as there is. Is cutting off somebody's carotid so their brain doesn't get oxygen and they fall asleep. So look, it's a fight. All right. I know there's uh, like MMA guys that just hate. They're like, look, Jiu-Jitsu guys are pansies. Like if they wanted to, if you want to do a fight, do MMA. But I'm like, dude, chill out. Cool it with the, like the aggro-aggression thing. Chill out, all right? I'm just saying that there are extreme consequences to competing in jiu-jitsu. Now, I'm more annoyed, not by the fight thing, but by the super fight thing. Everybody wants to call their one-off matches super fights. And now it's kind of become the, the term um, that everybody uses in the sport to describe like when two blue belts have a match at an event. Like, oh, yeah, this is a blue belt super fight. But super fight, that drives me crazy. To me, it should just be a match or a fight or, you know, hey, we're having this this blue belt title match. If that's the title match for the promotion, that's fine. But super fight should only be for the biggest matches. Gordon Ryan's getting ready to fight Felipe Pena. That is a super fight. But Joe from your gym who's getting ready to fight Luke from another gym, and they're both purple belts, that is not a super fight. If we're not looking at the main event of a card. Like I've no issue with calling like main event super fights even if it's just your local black belts. But we got to stop calling blue and purple belt matches super fights. So that's one I'm in agreement with, but the whole fighting thing, like no. Jiu-jitsu, there are tons of people that have been absolutely <laughs> their life's changed because of not tapping to a submission or getting taken down and you know, their shoulder separated or they end up tearing, you know, whatever there's consequences. You get and that to me warrants it to be called like, Hey, if you want to call it a fight, call it a fight. Let's see here. Is there anything else I want to talk about? Oh yeah, here we go. If you want to learn BJJ for self-defense, The most important thing to work on is a competent break fall. The second most important is having good enough cardio to avoid heart disease. Being good at BJJ makes almost no difference as to personal safety. So this is kind of falling back. This is the last one. I knew there was one more controversial one. Reading this makes me want to choke out. This person's called Wax Papers, and they've got a blue belt. Um, They're they're a blue belt, supposedly a blue belt. That BJJ makes almost no difference as to personal safety. The best self-defense is just learning to break fall. I have so many things I want to say about this user. I'm just guessing so many things about them right now. The first is that they're probably absolutely terrible at jiu-jitsu. They're probably middle-aged. They probably quit at Blue Belt, and for some reason they still follow the sport and get on and they saw this hot take thing and I don't know maybe they're mad they didn't get the purple bubble I don't know to me this is just a disgusting thing and here's the thing I have dedicated my life to learning and mastering Brazilian jiu-jitsu it does get a little personal to me when I see people say this about the art that I am you know trying to become a master of that I've dedicated my life to and so I do get a little salty and it does make me want to go on the attack. I still have a fighter in me, right? And I, I've always kind of had that. And the older I get, you know, I become, uh, I've become a much more understanding person and, you know, I've learned to communicate, yada, yada, all those things. But comments like these, like, man, it makes me want to really show them like what BJJ looks like, what real BJJ looks like. Because obviously there's just no way they're doing the same art that I'm doing. DJJ makes almost no difference as to personal safety. What? I mean, then that just, I'm like pulling my hair right now. I cannot believe somebody would say that. Cannot believe it. So I, I don't know what else to say about that one. If you think that Brazilian Jiu Jitsu isn't going to help you and that you're just doing it to avoid heart disease, you're training at a shitty gym. This weekend, I guess it's actually next week. I was going to say this weekend is Gordon Ryan versus Pedro Mourinho, but I think it's next Wednesday. It's the f- July 14th, I think. Today's the 8th. So maybe it's next Thursday. I don't know. Anyways, next week, Pedro Mourinho versus Gordon Ryan. I believe also the Who's next finale is um, taking place. So I'm going to make picks real quick. Gordon Ryan's going to kill Pedro Mourinho. I think Gordon Ryan's going to do whatever he wants to Pedro. Now, Pedro's only chance is staying on the outside and using his explosive wrestling to try and get a decision. Pedro's looked really good, but I just can't fathom a world where he can submit Gordon Ryan. Pedro against Craig Jones was a terrible match, right? Craig Jones didn't want to pull. Pedro didn't want to commit to a takedown. When Craig did pull, I will give this to Pedro. He did pass Craig's guard. I believe he used a reverse body lock. He passed Craig's guard for like 30 seconds, maybe even a minute. But Craig recovered, then stood back up, and it was enough to get Pedro the 205 title. But he's going up. He's facing a much bigger Gordon Ryan a very motivated Gordon Ryan and I think Gordon's gonna submit him and uh, I'm interested to see what's in the envelope it's funny I I'm starting to find uh, a lot of uh, interest in like Gordon like what's Gordon gonna write in that envelope because Gordon says he's gonna post an envelope uh, give I should say the announcers an envelope and I, I I'm really hoping like last time it was something like I know you're watching Andre like eh, that was kind of lame nothing is more badass. And then calling your submission before the match against another high-level guy and hitting it. When he did that and he called the triangle choke and hit that on Wagner Rocha, that was uh, one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. But I really want to look at the final. Like, who's going to win that? Who's next contract? So we've got kyle chambers he will be going against isaac michelle from b teams we got 10th planet versus b team both guys made it to the finals and only one will be crowned the who's next champion they will be given a either three or five fight contract by flow i have been so impressed by isaac michelle lately i think it's going to be very tough Kyle Chambers, especially in that match against Andrew Tackett, like he's shown, like when I watch Kyle's matches, he's three things he's really, really good at. Defensively, he is very good. 10th Planet guys spend a lot of time in the dead zone positions, and I know, like, if Isaac takes um, Kyle Chambers back or he puts him in the armbar position or any type of leg lock, like Kyle is going to be defensively very, very good. Kyle is very flexible. He's got unorthodox entries and he favors the legs. He's very good at leg locks and he's got a really good closed guard. People don't ever talk about that when they talk about Kyle Chambers, but he's got a good closed guard. He's got a good rubber guard and he's very dangerous from there. But I really think Isaac's going to take it to him. I have Isaac winning this one by submission. Um, I just think Isaac, of all the guys I've been watching the past year, Isaac has made tons and tons of progress he looks um I, i'm really interested to see isaac at adcc I, I think he's a guy that's could shock some people and i think he could medal at adcc in that under 88 kilogram division he switched with craig jones so craig's gonna be in the 99 and isaac and his teammate j rod will be in the 88 but i like man i like isaac michelle i think isaac Michelle's a dark horse too knew very well at adcc and i think he's going to end up beating kyle chambers and he's going to be the next. Uh, the Who's Next Champion. Until next time guys, I love and appreciate uh, appreciate you as always, have a great weekend peace.